Well, good morning, church family. Y'all doing well today? Yeah, kicking off the new year all right? All right. Yeah, I met, you know, this weekend we're, it's kind of the transition weekend, right? I mean, like for what, three weeks now, just crazy eating, crazy sleeping, house filled, but we're trying to transition, right? Back to that regular schedule. We, we put our, we, I, boy, at one time this week, I was all in one home with 21 family members. But, uh, th- this morning we put, we put the last two in the car and they're, they're gone. So when I get home, that'll be crickets. Uh, Kind of happy, kind of sad. You know, you have a little bit of both, right? So, but uh, hey, I hope your transition this weekend is, is going well. Man, what a worship time, huh? I, tell you, I, could, I could go home right now full. I, could, I mean, we're not leaving, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I could, I could go home right now full. Thank you, worship arts team, for just a, a credible moment in, in God's presence. You're joining us out at our Midlothian campus. I trust you're also coming out of a, a great time of worship. Hey, listen, as we start here to, together today, I want to kind of update you on some things. Mostly, I just want to brag on you. Can I brag on you for a moment? And uh, so the, the Sunday before Christmas, December 23rd, I, I introduced to y'all a, a ministry called Bless Every Home. And uh, you're going to hear a lot more about that. I told you then, that was not just a, hey, here's a neat thing to do, hope, hope, hope you like it, but rather something we're going to kind of be promoting and using all year long. And so a little bit later, especially into February, we're going to be talking a good bit more about that. But uh, when I introduced that to you, our staff was already using Bless Every Home. This is a website that helps you know your neighborhood, prayer, care, share, and disciple. And, and a way of praying for your neighbors every single day. And uh, our staff had adopted in our neighborhoods about 500 people. Uh, 500 homes, excuse me. And uh, so we introduced that to you on December 23rd. And, and right now we've adopted as a church now, not just our staff, but as a church, just a, about 13 homes shy of 4,700 homes. Is that incredible? I mean, folks, when we talk about reaching the 804, that's, that's 4,700 homes that are being prayed for right now. Amen? So uh, I, I think we're going to see that number go up over 10,000 as we continue to use that and promote that through the year here out at Midlothian. There's going to be a great opportunity in that. Also, I'm, just, I'm grateful for your generous, generous spirit. We, you, we had a tremendous month of, of giving. Uh, it was a five-Sunday month in, in December. And you gave to just our, our general budget uh, $520,000 uh, during the month of December, and that's in, that's incredible. Um, would you believe our our what we need for a five Sunday month would be five hundred? So that's twenty thousand more than needed, and and we are a little bit behind in budget. So that closes that gap some. But the real reason I tell you what you gave, just you know, in your regular giving, is to tell you what you did on top of that. You remember during the month I also told you about Mission Dignity, a, a, a mission to elderly uh, people living under poverty that that have come out of ministry. They're retired. In, from the ministry, and you gave over, or right at $20,000 for that in, in one Sunday, probably a f- few days following that also, but 20000 at the same time, 
you, you gave over $26,000 during the month of December to our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which is an offering for world missions. And so, you know, folks, when you're given to missions, you're given to the poor, you're, you're giving for the work of his church, man, you're, you're blessing the heart of God. And I'm just proud to watch you guys do that. Thank you so much for, for what you did in that, in that month. A um, couple of quick announcements as we, as we start off the new year. This Wednesday, which is normal, the second Wednesday of the month, we have a church-wide prayer time. It's in Modular 1, which is kind of back behind that building at 6 o'clock. And it's 6 to 6.25. If this prayer thing is kind of new to you and you're afraid you're going to get in there and you're going to have to pray forever and you don't know, it's 25 minutes. Now, we don't talk about what we're going to pray about. We pray. And so I set it up for about two or three minutes, kind of what we're going to be praying about, and, uh, but, but about 6.03, 6.04, we're praying. We stop at 6.25 sharp. Uh, hope you'll join us this Wednesday night as we kind of kick off this new year with prayer. Obviously, there's plenty of things in your life, my life, in our church to, to cover in prayer, and so I hope you'll come and uh, be a part of that. And then also, just because it's the, the new year, I know we got a lot of people visiting. I know we've had a lot of new people join in November and December. We have a Connect class uh, next Sunday, and if you have a bulletin, you can see in there what that is and how to sign up for it. But if you're kind of new to our church, again, whether you're a new member or a guest, it is a tremendous way to, in a very short amount of time, fully understand this place. You'll know where we're going, what we're about, how to get involved, who who the pastors are, more, maybe most important, where the restrooms are. Uh, you'll, you'll learn everything about this church family. And so that class is next Sunday morning, and there is a lunch with that, and so we ask that you register so we know how many people to prepare for, but I I sure hope you will take advantage of that. We've got such an exciting year in front of us, and man, I, I, I pray you are already getting started into a great new year. Boy, there's nothing like the new year, is there, that, that, that breeds that new hope, right? I mean, what is it about turning the calendar from one page to the next. I mean, this doesn't happen when we go from July to August. This doesn't happen when we move from March to April. But boy, you go from December 31 to January 1, and all of a sudden, I believe I can be skinny again. All of a sudden, all my financial problems are going to get fixed. And uh, we're going we're gonna to deal with that relationship. And we're going to deal with that problem. Now, usually about 8th about or ninth, we've gotten over it, right? It, it, uh, I imagine most of us have come into, at least one time in our lives, into a new year, into January with these tremendous hopes and just watched them fizzle before we even got to the end of the month. Hey, if you're kind of living in the fizzle right now, let, let me encourage you to hope. Hope, go ahead, hope great, hope big, hope for better, hope for new, hope and change, hope for God, amen? And listen, one of the best opportunities for your hopes may be in your hands right now. You, you, might, you might actually be holding that right, right now. Listen, I want to tell you something. I, I am right now in that big moment of hoping. And I really don't believe it's just because we went from December to January. From 31 to 1. From 18 to, to 19. Man, I have some really big hopes for this year. I mean like no other year I've ever seen for my life, for my home, for, for you, 
and, and for us as a church family. I, I'm as excited as I've ever been in 30 years of ministry about the vision of our church and how literally every single person... Hey, listen, if you're a church of 110, who, wh- where is there ever an opportunity to say every single person? Much less a church of several thousand There's an opportunity for several thousand people, for every one of us to be a part of the vision of this church and what it's about. I I am as hopeful about that as I've ever been. And listen, it's it's not just because it's a new year. I, I actually have some very objective, very concrete reasons that I have those hopes. And I'm going to be sharing some of those with you in the weeks and the, in the months to come. But one of the reasons I'm believing on God, trusting on God so big and for so much, again, might be what you're holding in your hand right now. And that is your Bible. Or maybe your cell phone. If, if, you got your, if you're using a Bible app, praise the Lord. That's just as effective. But, but it may be your Bible, folks. Listen, this is the opportunity for our hopes, because in here is blessing. Do you have something in your life right now that needs God's blessing? Man, I need God to touch this, to prosper this, to fix this, to anoint this. I need God to, to fill this. Hey, folks, God wants that for you too, and He has a path for it. He has a path to that blessing, and it is in and with and through His Word. Man, I want to invite us all to seize. God's promise. And so this year we're going we're gonna to read the Bible. We're going to read the Bible alone. We're going to read it as a small group of friends. We're going we're gonna to read it as a, a large church congregation. We're going to read God's word because in there there is an invitation for you and I to be blessed. Look up here. Revelation chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Now, folks, that Revelation 1-3, I think you can see we're in the opening sentence or two of Revelation, right? And this verse most directly applies to the book of Revelation. It's saying, hey, listen, if you read this book, the book of Revelation, if you read it, you hear it, you keep it, there's a blessing for that person. But folks, I pulled that. I, I think you can take that verse and you can lift it up a little bit above just the book of Revelation and say that it applies to the entire Bible. And the reason I can say that is because it, it fits so well with what so many other passages offer us. When we read, when we hear, when we keep this word, God is going to bless. Amen? Amen. So I think we mostly believe that. So let's stop right now and ask God for it, can we? Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, I come before you and I would pray for every single one of us here at this campus, our Midlothian campus, those watching online. And Lord, I would pray we read, we give attention to your word like never before. Oh, Lord, I I pray that over such a large group of people, I I know among us are are Bible scholars. uh, Among us right now are people who have devoted decades to reading, to loving, to obeying your word. And, and there's probably one or two among us right now never actually opened the book. Lord, I, I pray wherever we are on that spectrum, I pray for an opportunity this to be a year that we go further 
in our engagement with, further in our understanding, and further in our blessing by your word than ever before. I pray by the end of 2019, this is a place filled with the stories of God and your blessing and your word in our lives. We ask this. We believe on you, God. We're praying your word into our lives in Jesus' name. Can we say amen? Amen, man, that's what we believe, and uh, that's what we're going to do. Now, what, what, why, why does the Bible have that kind of power? What, why can it be that and do that in our lives? Let, let's remind ourselves, a couple of passages from Scripture, of why the Word is what it is. First of all, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture, every single word, every single book, every single idea, every bit of it originated from, came, came out of the mouth of God. It, it all started right here. It came through people. It came through their personalities. It came through their experiences, their writing styles. But it originated, it began right here. And those words were spoken, those words were given to profit your life. They, they were given to enrich, to profit. Now, here's what the Bible does. It does four things in our lives. Let's imagine for a moment we're all getting in a car. You're getting in your car in your mind? And we've all got a destination in 2019. Where are you going in your car in 2019? Man, I, I'm, I'm trying to get to a better marriage. Maybe you're saying, man, I'm getting to the total rescue of my marriage. Man, I'm trying, I'm trying to get to, to some kind of financial security. Man, I've got a, I, I need to, I, the, my destination, I've got a place with one of my kids that is, man, that needs something to change there. What's your destination? Well, I'll tell you, if I, if I could pick a destination right now, it would be clarity. I've got a decision. I've got a situation that is just cloudy. It's confused. I've been, I've been fighting it for months. I've been fretting over it, worried about it. For, when you get in your car, what's your destination for 19? Well, the Scripture wants to do four things for you on the way to that destination. First of all, it wants to teach you how to drive. Because if you don't know what you're doing in the car, you're just going to get in a wreck and kill yourself. It wants to teach you, teach you how to drive, teach you what's happening on the road, teach you how to get there. It wants to reprove you. Does anybody like to be reproved? No hands going up anywhere, no. You know what reproved is? What? But you know what? I don't like being reproved, but you know what? If I've fallen asleep or I'm texting while I'm driving and all of a sudden my car is veering over here uh, to that solid white line or maybe even worse, it's, it's well, actually from y'all's angle, uh, it's, it's veering over here to the double line and I'm into head-on traffic. I mean, at that point, I kind of need to be reproved, right? Hey, stupid, stop. Hey, look up. You're going to hurt somebody. We, we need to be reproved. Don't like it. But I need it every... You know, there's not a person in the room that doesn't need to be reproved. Not one. I'm not saying anything about how good and a wonderful person you are. I'm sure you're a good and a wonderful person. Every now and then. Hey! You know what? We need to be corrected. I mean, I know my destination, but we, we still veer off, right? Turn left when I was supposed to go right. Go straight when I was supposed to have turned Hey, wait, 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 wait. Stop right here. You're, no, you're going the wrong direction. Do a U-turn. Get back to this. And it's going to train me. God's word is going to train me. It's going to help me to be right. To be right with what? Everything on the journey. 
right with God, right with other drivers, right, right, right with every situation and everything going on. Because as I'm on this journey, God wants to equip me, God wants to enable me that no matter what's going on in the journey, I'm doing good. I'm doing the good thing that needs to happen on the worst day of my life. I'm doing the good thing that needs to happen on the best day of my life. I'm doing the good thing that needs to be happen when all I can see is fog. Right? That's what God's Word is going to do. That's what it's going to profit in our lives. No wonder God's saying, hey, listen, if you'll get in there, there's blessing. I promise you there is a, a blessing in that. Second passage. Second Peter, he has granted us his precious and very great promises so that you can become partakers of the divine nature. When you and I wake up in the morning and we open that book and we read those words, we have just taken our first steps into being more like God today and into being more godly. Look what Jesus says about the word that he gives to you and me. Matthew chapter 4, it is written, man shall not live. We've heard this verse before, haven't we? Maybe, maybe we heard it and didn't even know it was Jesus saying it. Maybe we just heard, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. There it is again. Jesus affirms, you know, this book that I'm reading, every single word I'm reading, it had a starting place. And that starting place was the, the mouth of God. You know, what, what, we, I think we read this verse, we don't realize how powerful it is. Man does not live by bread alone. No, no, come on, you need to read your Bible too. That, that's not actually what it's saying. It's, first of all, Jesus introduces a concept we all understand. This body is fueled by food, right? I am a physical being, and, and to keep going, I mean, I can do without some for a while, but sooner or later, I've got to fuel up. I've got to eat. Most of us are pretty good at it, aren't we? We've really worked at the fine art of eating, and, and we got that down. We know how to fuel the physical machine, but I'm not just a physical machine. I'm an emotional machine, a spiritual machine, a mental machine. And guess what? I mean, food, food can have an impact on the sharpness of my mind, right? It, food can have an impact on my emotions. But food alone does not fuel the emotional me, the mental me, and especially the spiritual me. Does it start to make sense now what Jesus... Hey, listen, if you think this whole thing right here is fueled just by food, you're wrong. You, you, the word of God is what fuels most of this machine. Gosh, I wonder how many problems we just solved in here right now. How many issues are we dealing? I mean, we're doing fine at keeping the, keeping the, the, the physical machine on full, but we're starving ourselves to death on everything else. And then wondering why the worry, the fear, the anxiety, the anger, the hatred, the bitterness, the frustration, the, the inability to fix, the inability to compromise. Because you're starving. It's just real simple. You cannot live. You cannot. How many of us are not going to read God's word tomorrow? I mean, what are we saying? No, oh, Jesus, I don't believe you. I, I, I absolutely can live without God's word. Hey, you can do that. It's your decision. It's your machine. Well, actually, it's on loan. And one day you'll answer to God. You are a steward of this machine and what you do with it. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, it doesn't, doesn't just work with food. You've got to add God's word to it. So, man, folks, I could go all day long, verse after verse after verse, of what this word means, what it does in our life. But before we move on, I, I want to read one more passage and spend a little time with it. So turn to Psalm 19. 
Psalm 19, about halfway through your Bible, not quite halfway. Job is to the left, uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes to the right if you're thumbing through or scrolling down your, your screen right now. Get to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19, I'm going to read verses 7 to 11, and we're seeing what the Bible is, and we're going to see what the Bible does. What is the Bible? Uh, Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Now, in this reading, you just heard me call out phrases and words like law of the Lord, testimony, precepts, commandment, rules. All those words, phrases, are synonymous with the one word that you and I tend to use, and that's the word what? Bible. All those words are referring to what we refer to as the Bible. It is the Bible that is all these things. Now, look up here on the slide, and let's just kind of review what we just saw the Bible is in our lives. First of all, it's perfect. Folks, do you realize when you're holding a Bible, you're holding the only thing on the planet that's perfect? That's pretty incredible, isn't it? I mean, nothing else is. Everything else breaks. Everything else uh, doesn't quite work. Everything else needs to be updated. That's not true for this. It doesn't fall short. It doesn't miss. It is perfect in everything it says, perfect in everything that it, it, it does. It is perfection that we hold in our hands. It, it is sure. Think of the idea of being sure-footed. Man, when you're sure-footed, everything around you may be rocking, rolling, rumbling, falling apart, but you found that place where, where there is a certainty, there is a security. You're sure-footed, right? You're anchored. You're, you're able to hold steady. That's what the Bible is. It is a certainty. It is a place of security, of sure-footedness. It is right. That's kind of neat on one hand, but then on the other hand, not so much. Because if it's right and I don't like it, that makes me wrong. Let's try that again. If it's right and I don't like it, that makes me wrong. Nobody in America is wrong. Y'all are so mean. You know, I mean, we all have. I've got ideas on all kinds of things. I got ideas on money, ideas on sexuality, on ideas on who's right and who's wrong. I, I got ideas on how to fix this relationship, ideas on how to... But if those ideas don't line with this word, I am wrong. It won't work. It won't result in blessing. Is God telling me that I'm wrong because that's what God does? He's just kind of mean and angry and he, he's just there to tell you what a bad person you are? No, God is telling you that because God is a loving Father who wants so much for you to be blessed. And the road you're on isn't going to get that blessing. The, the road you're on is just going to lead to brokenness. You need to know that's wrong. But I don't feel like it's wrong. I don't feel like that's what would make me have. This is right. It is what is right. It is pure. Gosh, here again, what, what do we actually hold that is pure 
in our hands on this planet. Everything's got a little bit of taint, right? A little bit of stain. We, we, and we're okay with that. I mean, we can live with a lot of things that aren't, aren't actually pure, but the Bible isn't one of them. The Bible is pure. There's no taint. There's no stain. There's nothing. Well, when you really get down, there is a place where this is not quite right or this is... No, it's true. It's beautiful. It's light. It's pure. And it's true there. I love that word true to go with right. I mean, true and right, you might say, is that just saying the same thing twice? Well, right. I mean, there's right, there's wrong. When it says this, it's right. That's the same as being true, right? But true adds the idea there's nothing deceptive. There's nothing sneaky. There's no, there, there, there's no, you know, I can be right, but maybe trick you a little bit in how I get you to understand that I'm right. The Bible's not doing that. The Bible's not playing a game with you. It's not deceiving you. It's not trying to trick you into something. It is, it is absolutely true and forthcoming. And as a matter of fact, that word true is why I don't like what I see so often. It's been a while. I mean, there's been movies and books. I want to turn the whole Bible into some kind of code. You know, if you add these three numbers and, and these verses and you multiply it by the change in your pocket, you're going to find out what day Jesus is returning. Folks, the Bible, is, God doesn't speak in codes. He doesn't speak in secrets. You know what the Bible is? It's the revelation of God. It's the revealing of everything God wants you to know. He's not trying to hide everything. He put it right out there in the light and said, hey, this is true. I'm not trying to trick you. It's enduring. I love that word. It endures. Whatever it is, it stays that all the way. In other words, all those words up there were true in 970 B.C. when Psalm 19 was being written. All those words were still true. They endured all the way up to the first century A.D. when the New Testament was being written. And guess what? In 2019, when you and I open this book, it has endured. It has endured in its perfection. It has endured in its surety. It has endured in its rightness. And of course, it also is, it is a warning, right? Why is it a warning? Because God wants for you blessing. God is not trying to keep you from having fun. God is not keeping you from laughing. God isn't keeping you from being fulfilled. He's warning, even if something appears to offer that, he's warning you, no, that will not. Listen, I made this body. I know how it works. I, I know what happens when, when there's a collision of lies. I, I know what happens when there's a collision of immorality. I, I just know how it works because I designed the whole thing. So I'm going I'm to warn you. There's high voltage fence there. You really, I promise you don't want to touch it. So that's what God's word is. It's a warning. So that's what it is. Now let's look what it does. Let's look what it does. It revives. Ooh, that's a good word for the beginning of a new year, isn't it? Man, maybe we come out of the old year a little bit tired, a little bit frustrated. We're kind of thinking on the things that were not resolved. Maybe we're just tired. We haven't been eating so well. Plenty of sugar, but not much of anything else. We just need reviving. You know, what revives you? I mean, you know what? Sometimes, what, a good night's sleep? A good night's sleep can pick me up. A good meal can pick me up. Good news. Can't, can't good news pick you up? You know what? The Bible is better than a good night of sleep. It is better than a good meal. And it is better than good news. It revives. What does that mean? It gives me the ability to get up and go again. Because sometimes we don't want to get up and go. I don't want to try in that relationship anymore. I don't want to keep trying. The person's not changing. 
That person's not going to change. We want to quit. It revives me. It gets me up and it gets me going again. What does it mean? It, it restores life. It restores energy. It, it sustains. It makes wise. I, I love Psalm 119 verse 98. It says the Bible makes me wiser than my enemies. Struggling with any enemies right now? Ought to get in God's word. Makes you smarter than they are. Now, what, what does that mean? Does it mean if, if I get in God's word? Is, what if my enemy is in math class? Will I be smarter at math than my enemy if I'm in God's word? Mm, probably not. But you know what? A lot of my problems aren't actually math or engineering or how to fix the car. A lot of, a lot of problems are more on a, on a very different level than that. You, you know, when you are making right decisions... That really moves out of the way a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of emotion that makes us raw with others. When you're making right decisions, it just makes life a little bit smarter, doesn't it? That's what the Bible's going to do. It's going to help you make right decisions. Well, what page does it say whether I take that job or not? What page does it take where it tells me, do I go to this school or that? That page is not in there. But the more God's word is flowing through your mind, the more you're going to have God's heart and mind. And the clearer things become. I'm not saying instantly. We're not talking about magic here. We're not looking for a potion, an incantation. You say then, poof, there, there it is. We're, we're talking about knowing the heart and mind of God so that his heart and mind is flowing through all that we do. And it, it, it just makes life smart. We just end up making better decisions. And man, when you're making better decisions, there's just so much. I don't have to remember what I did yesterday. Have you ever, have you ever thought about it? When you lie, you have to keep up with everything, don't you? You've got to manage the lie. But when you're living in truth and you're walking in truth, and telling, you don't ever have to worry about yesterday because the truth is always the truth. You don't have to manage it. That's, that's where the Bible wants to lead me. It, it helps me rejoice. Rejoices goes well with revives. I mean, I could motivate you to get up and go again, right? My, 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 my sons have somebody over them that helps motivate them each day. It's a sergeant. He's not very nice. But he will motivate them to get them up and going again. Rejoices adds the idea of doing it with joy, right? I'm not just going to try again today. I'm not just going to go back into that relationship again. I'm not just going to take this to... Man, there's a joy about it. And I think that rejoices also work mix well with makes wise. You know, when you're, when you're making right and good decisions, there's just a lightheartedness to life, isn't there? And boy, when you're making bad decisions, and decisions are going... That's, there's a heaviness, isn't there? There's a heaviness to life. And when you're walking in that heaviness, when you're living in that heaviness, it affects everything. It affects what you're doing, doesn't it? And so there, there's a joy, there's a lighthearted, enlightening, as you say, just clears the fog out. Instantly, like I just open God's word, I read a line and boom, the fog is gone. No, it's back to enlightening. I, I know the heart and mind of God and things become clear, not, not foggier. And there is a reward because that's God's goal for you. God's goal for you is reward. Not because you're so good and worthy and deserving of reward, but he's just that kind and good and wanting to give. All he's wanting to do in the Bible is make sure you are on the path that will land on the blessing and the reward that he has for you. You know, if you still have your Bible open, look down at verse 10. I've always loved verse 10. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I'm so intrigued by the idea that, and I think what David is saying there is that this book... 
is sweeter than honey and better than money. I'm going to assume most of us have not yet quite arrived at that story. This is better than money. Uh, but that's where David is. And he says, man, I tell you what, I've, I've had the honey, I've had the money. And he, that is the testimony of somebody. That's, I mean, he's a, he's a king. He's one of the wealthiest men that's ever lived on this planet. His son will be the wealthiest person that has ever lived on this planet. But, but David, I mean, he, he, listen, he's not saying in verse 10, you don't need food anymore once you start reading the Bible. No, David, David was a king. I imagine he not only enjoyed food, I imagine he enjoyed some pretty good food. Uh, David's not saying, hey, when you really get in the Bible, you won't need money anymore. David used money. As a matter of fact, David knew quite well the power that money gives. The opportunity that money can open up. David understood all that and he says, you know what, I'm going to tell you something. This is better. As a matter of fact, think of, of, of that sweetness and money. That's kind of pleasure and power. This is better than pleasure and power. I'm not saying I don't want pleasure and I don't want power. I'm not saying honey doesn't still give pleasure and money doesn't still give power. I'm saying this is better. Think about it. If I was real poor and I'm up here giving tests, well, you know what? I can't be honest with you. I kind of wonder sometimes about from one meal to the next. But boy, God's word has sustained me. God's, God's word has been a food for me. And I don't have a lot of money. That's, that's not how I'm going to serve in this world or impact this world. Money's never really been my... But boy, through God's word, I'm, I'm rich. I mean, we're in church, so you're going to sit out there and nod and smile with me. But let's be honest, inside you're thinking, I'd rather try money. But it's not a poor person that's saying that. It's somebody that's probably known more good food and more power of money than any of us in here. And at the end of the day, he says, I'm going to be honest with you, God's word provides a lot more than that. It does so much more than the pleasure and the power can do for us. I'm not saying we don't want the pleasure and power. I'm saying it can do, it can do more. Now, truth in advertising. <laughs> if you go home today and, and you read Jeremiah 47, and I just called Jeremiah 47 because that's what I opened up to. Are you going to close it and say, boy, that was sweet? If, you, uh, if you're not somebody who reads the Bible a lot, and you, you go into 2019, yeah, I'm going to read the Bible. You read it 25, 30 times through the course. I mean, that doesn't sound like very much in the whole course of a year, does it? But if you stop and think about it, I mean, 25 times, that's like twice a month. About every other week, I'm sitting down and, you know... I'm, Read the Bible for five minutes over there and three minutes over there. Ooh, long, cold, rainy Saturday coming up. Uh, maybe 25, 30 minutes over there. Your experience is probably not going to be, gosh, that's better than money. I'm not saying that won't be your experience. I'm not saying that can't be your experience. I'm saying that probably won't be your experience. Now, what I'm saying right here is not an interpretation of verse 10. I'm just telling you my experience and my opinion. I, I, I don't think verse 10 is talking about a one-time interaction w- with a chapter, with a verse, with some portion of the Bible. I, I'm not even sure it's talking about reading the Bible a lot. I, I think what verse 10 is about is moving my Bible reading from day after day to year after year. I, I think that, that the power of verse 10 comes when I start talking about years that I've been in Scripture. I, I think when there are years that we've been there, decades that we've been there, we arrive at a place, wow, 
I don't think I ever really knew it. I don't think I was adding it up. I don't think it was putting it together. But now that I look back, I realize there's so much more here than pleasure and power offer me. Which, I mean, pleasure and power, that's what most of us are running after every single day. And there's so much more here. Listen, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like, hey, hey, listen, until you've been in the Bible for four decades, it ain't going to be nothing for you. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. The Bible can be great reward for you right here, right now, today. There can be moments of incredible sweetness and incredible power when you just drop down into that passage for one moment. What I'm trying to tell you today, folks, is there is a reward. There is a blessing beyond your imagination, maybe beyond your ability to even believe when your Bible reading becomes five years, when it becomes 30 years. You know what we want to do here at the Heights? We want to help you get started. We're we're talking about a year, 2019. My prayer for you, for me, for all of us is it's going to become the foundation of what we're enjoying five years from now, 30 years from now, should the Lord tarry and not just come get us and take us home. And by the way, Lord, I'd prefer you do the latter. But should he tarry, we want to help you build a foundation. Uh, That's going to be reaping benefits and paying off for you like you could never imagine five years from now, 30 years from now. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read the Bible alone. We're going to read and study the Bible alone. We're going to read and study the Bible as friends in a small group. And we're going to read and study the Bible all together in here as a large group, as, as, as a large church. Now let me explain each one of these ideas. Read and study the Bible on your own. That's pretty self explanatory, isn't it? I'm encouraging you, just Google Bible reading plans and get started on a read the Bible in a year plan. Your Bible may have one in it. Some do. Uh, If you use our church app, it has a Bible reading plan. And I would encourage you to get our church app. We're going to be doing some things with that in the coming weeks. And we're moving more and more away from written to the app. And, and, I, and I think you're going to be engaging with our church app on a weekly, regular basis. And in it is a Bible reading plan. So get started on a reading plan. Now, why do we start reading plans and not finish them? Well, there's a couple of reasons. But one is I get started and all of a sudden I trip. Like, you know, I, man, I was doing really good, and, and then on February 10th, this happened, and this happened, and, th- and all of a sudden, it's February 16th. Oh, well, I didn't, it didn't work. I might as well quit. I got a better idea. On February 17th, open up, look what the Bible reading plan is for February 17th, and just pick up. Don't give up reading the whole Bible because you missed four pages. Just just keep plugging away. Keep sit. Well, as a matter of fact, it's January 6th right now. And you're thinking, I, I can't. Do, I mean, I know you're type A people out there. I can't, I, I, I can't start tomorrow. I, I, I missed the first. You're type A. You'll figure it out. You'll catch up. You know, the rest of us just start on January 7th, 2019. And here's an idea. Go to January 6th, 2020. Okay, get started. We're all going to work at reading the entire Bible alone together. And if we miss a few pages, it'll be okay. Because it, it's not an incantation. It, it, it's not a, here, you have to do this or, or else. It, it's, it's an opportunity. So we're going to read the Bible a- alone a- all together, right? Okay, super. Number two, we're going to read and study the Bible with friends. We're going to come to church 
and in life group, and I say come to church, obviously we have our Sunday morning life groups that, that meet here on this campus, of course also our Midlothian campus. We've, we've begun in the last couple of months uh, in home or during the week life groups. I think we've got some new ones coming up here pretty soon. By the way, I don't know if y'all ever do the math, or you might wonder, does anybody go to these life groups? They sure talk about it a lot, about 60%. I mean, most of us, yes. If you're wondering, does do, like what? Just like a few weird people go to those? Listen, they may be weird, but it's not just a few of them. Okay, uh, uh, about any our Sunday morning attendance, about sixty percent, give or take a percentage on any given Sunday, about sixty percent. Uh, of our Sunday morning attendance in here is in a life group also. So yeah, a lot of people are going to that. And this year we have, I feel like I'm selling Ginsu knives. Um, we, we have a 42-week curriculum that is going to take us through the entire Bible. Now, now do the math, 42 weeks. No, it's not taking us through the Bible word by word, verse by verse in 42 weeks. It's, it's not doing that. What is it doing? Well, you know what I mean? It's going to go over here and it's going to say, okay, now here's what's happening in Genesis and the things that are going to carry all the way throughout Genesis. And then we're going to pick up another book and it's going to say, okay, these are what the gospel's about. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Here's what they're teaching. Here's what they're doing. Oh, hey, here's the Psalms. This is called wisdom literature. And we're going to understand what's happening in the Psalms and Proverbs and, and Ecclesiastes. We're going to see these major sections of scripture folks you're going i don't as i prayed a moment ago some of us are bible scholars some of us haven't even opened it every single person in here has an opportunity to move further than they've ever moved in their understanding their study and their engagement with scripture in your entire life i don't care who you are i promise it I promise it, there is that opportunity. Now, in these books, and uh, we normally provide, and when I say provide, we use the money that you give each Sunday, your, your tithe as a part of our budget. We provide curriculum for you when you go to Life Group. We, we give that out for free. Uh, those books that you get, for those of you, usually are about $3.00. And so in the course of a year, we're giving you $12 of books. Well, these six books are $60. And so that's well beyond our budget and ability. But what we did is we gave you 18. More than the 12 we usually give you, we gave you 18. And so we're selling these for $7 a a book. And you don't have to buy the whole set and then find out you didn't like it. You can buy the first one. By Genesis, get started in it. Now, what's in one of these books? You're going to have a group lesson that you're going to go over as a group. You're, you're going to have one to two to three individual personal lessons that you'll do yourself in that section. And then you have the commentary on that section. Now, folks, I, that, this is very unintriguing, isn't it? But let me tell you what you have at the end. When we get to November, when we get in sight of Thanksgiving you are going to have your personal notes, your personal Bible studies, and commentary on the entire Bible. Every single person, wherever you are on the spectrum of your relationship with the Bible, you're going to take a huge jump forward. That's what we're going to do. And you're going to be discussing that, learning that with, with friends, with people that you meet with. Each week, and, and then of course, we're, as we're going through these big sections, you're reading it alone. You are working on every word, every line, every page. Probably going to miss a few lines, words, and pages along the way, but you're working on that. And then when you come in here, I'm going to be tracking right along with the 42 weeks. 
You say, wait, wait a minute, am I going to come in here and listen to you give the same lesson that the life group teacher just gave? No, I mean, first of all, they started in Genesis this morning, and as you noticed, I didn't once say turn to Genesis. I mean, we've started, but, but I'm doing kind of a, a promotion and understanding of the, the whole year, and so already I'm in a little bit different spot. But about, about 80%, 85% of the time, I'm going to be tracking right along with them. And, and as I said, we're looking at sections. So I'm not going to be your life group teacher. We're not going to be teaching the same lesson. I mean, there's going to be lessons where I dive down into this section and look at one word, one verse, and your teacher just kept it up here at 30,000 feet. And then there'll be times it's, it's vice versa. So you're going to get two different approaches, two different understandings of how, to, of how to come at that group of material in the Scripture. There is great, great, great opportunity for us folks in the Bible, isn't there? And is the goal that we're real smart? Is the goal that we know more about geography in Israel than other people? No, the goal. You know what I want? I want that blessing that I need for my child. I want that blessing that I need in my finances. I want that blessing that I need in my, in my marriage. I want that blessing that I need in that decision. Folks, God has promised the blessing. And he said, but let me tell you, the way to get to it is right here. You've got to read you got to hear it. you you, you got to keep it. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I, I pray much like I already have this morning. I pray that you would give us the discipline, the interest, the understanding, the faith. The faith that the answer, the road, the direction really is in here. And Lord, I pray once again that all through this congregation is going to be one tremendous life-changing story by the end of 2019 of, of what it looks like, what it means, the blessing of a life engaging and being built in and on top of God's Word. We ask for your help in this, Lord, and we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.